Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. My guest on today's show is someone with a very unique journey in the world of pro wrestling, the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship, Serena Deeb. On Sunday, the Sunday, May 29th, at Double or Nothing on pay-per-view, Bleacher Report and Fight, Serena will be facing Thunder Rosa, someone she has a long history with for the title, someone you've heard from on this show already. I really enjoyed the conversation we had. I hope you do, too. If you like what you hear, give us a follow. If you really like it, give it a review. And now, here's my interview with Serena Deeb. All right, we're back here on Under the Ring. So pleased to be joined by the number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship, the professor of professional wrestling, Serena Deeb. So glad you're with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Phil. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you. So I think after a few years, I think some people might have been a little surprised to see you resurface in AEW. What's what's made this run notable for you, and how happy are you to be back competing in a wrestling ring? Indescribably happy. Um, I spent, you know, a few years coaching and it was a great chapter and I learned a lot, uh, going into that realm kind of teaches you like all these other elements of, of wrestling that, you know, as a performer, as a talent, you, um, you don't really learn because you're just, it's so like, you're just so focused as an individual when you're a wrestler, when you're a talent. But when I was um, coaching, it was just, it was learning all these different elements and, and production and all the important things that come along with that and attention to detail. And it was a great learning chapter, but, um, you know, I've said it in several interviews, it's no secret, like the whole time I was coaching, because I got hired as a coach when I was 31 and I knew I could still go and I had, um, I didn't really feel complete with my with my career at that point. It felt a lot of unfinished business. Like I had done a lot, you know. I had a great, really cool run with the Straight Edge Society. Wrestled in Japan seven times. You know, did Shimmer, Ring of Honor, all you know, everything. Um, I checked a lot of the boxes, but I still didn't feel done. And there was something in me, in my heart, that was um, kind of nagging that whole time I was coaching. Um, so it, it feels a little bit, you know, at this point now, I've been back in the ring for two years, almost two years. I signed with AEW in September of 2020. Um, but I was, I was released from WWE almost two, well, a little over two years ago when the pandemic started. And at that point, I, um, I just refocused and I said, okay, you know what? If there's going to be one more run, you know, this is, I got to put everything into it. So I started getting back in ring shape and back in getting my body ready again and, and, and doing all the preparation and everything. Um, because I, at that point I hadn't really wrestled for like, I did the May Young Classic couple of matches, you know, but yeah. that was such a blip, right? It was two matches there. And, um, so really hadn't wrestled for about five years, you know, like half a decade. That's quite a long time. Um, so I just really started training hard again and I didn't know, didn't know what was on the horizon. I honestly didn't. I was just training to prepare, um, for whatever came my way. And then I got an opportunity at AEW, that first match against, uh, Thunder Rosa. And, you know, it just took off 
from there, you know, I think I signed my contract at AEW a week later. Um, it was really just everything started moving really fast. And then all of the NWA chapter started. And um, I'm really proud. Uh, I'm really proud. It's sometimes it's like um, everything moves so fast in wrestling and it's hard to uh, like step back and take perspective and, um, you know, look at kind of how far I've come. Uh, like I'm 35 now. I started wrestling when I was 18. Um, you know, I, there's, I have a lot of friends and peers in the wrestling business that, um, you know, never got their shot. And so a lot of me, like a lot of my drive is like doing it for them and doing it, you know, in honor of them and in honor of, of OVW and the great training I got there. But it's, it's amazing. And to be in the position I am now getting ready to wrestle for the AEW Women's World Championship in Vegas against one of the greatest, Thunder Rosa. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just been, <laughs> the journey's been a lot like this, but I'm really proud of where I'm at and um, feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. And um, I'm like, just, I'm so hungry that um, it's not stopped. Like it's, it's going, it's not stopping anytime soon. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. No, congratulations on that. It's been, it's been great to see your comeback. Um, it's interesting in, in doing prep for this. I spoke to someone who was in OVW when you joined the beginners class, actually. And he, <laughs> no, he noted how impressive it was to see you go from being in the beginners class to easily one of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now. That was uh, Vic Delicious, if that name is uh, familiar to oh, you back then. Of course. So I was texting with him yesterday. Uh, do you ever look at that path? You mentioned it yourself, kind of being able to step back and think, wow, look at where I am now from, from that moment in time to this moment in time. Absolutely. I, I think about it a lot, um, especially just, you know, women's wrestling is, is such a, uh, um, a point of discussion these days uh, amongst the whole wrestling community, but every company and whatnot, and the women have really taken over in, in a lot of these places. Um, you know, you could see it with the women main eventing WrestleMania and women rent main eventing dynamite. And I mean, it's, it's, it's come so far. Like when I started uh, in 2005, it was like the diva search era. And um, we all kind of know, like what the landscape was at that time. If, if, you know, if you were a fan then, and if you were watching then, and, um, I was just a kid and, you know, getting into the crazy wrestling business straight out of high school, uh, in a crazy environment, like OVW around like, you know, Rip Rogers, Danny Davis, Jim Cornette, Al Snow, they, they didn't, they didn't sugarcoat. So the, the training that I had was, was hardcore. It was hardcore. It was, um, it wasn't babying. It wasn't, it was, you know, if you did something wrong, like get out of the ring and then maybe 20 minutes later, they'd call you back in the ring and it's like, all right, try that again. But it was, it was hard. It, it was like, they were hard on me. They were hard on everybody. And I, I, uh, at that age, like that was, um, <laughs> You know, I had a lot of emotional moments of like, wow, this is really extreme. And, you know, can I do this and everything? But uh, now looking back, I'm so grateful that they were that way to me. They taught, they they embedded this respect in me and this, um, 
work ethic that I think is lost a lot these days. And it's, 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 it's no one's fault. It's just like a lot of that training doesn't really exist anymore. Like, um, obviously we're in 2022 and the world has changed and what's, what's allowed and acceptable has changed. And, you know, <laughs> some of the things that were said to me when I was 18, 19, 20, you know, it, it wouldn't be accepted these days. Um, so, but I'm really grateful that they had that approach with me and they, and they, they made me tough, you know, they made me tough physically and mentally. Um, and I think about OVW all the time. Um, I still talk to Rip, Danny, Al, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm grateful for them. Um, I was really grateful to have people come in like Robert Gibson, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, you know, I mean, I, I had all that old school training and uh i am just that's like so in my heart i love most of the wrestling that i watch just for fun and for hobby now is is a lot of old school stuff i was watching some arn anderson and <laughs> what what not on the plane today and i i just it's i love i love old school wrestling so much um but yeah to see to kind of think about the journey 17 years, like 2005 to 2022. Um, you know, when I was at OVW, I had a lot of moments where I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not what at that time, there was no AEW then, obviously. Right. Uh, I was like, I'm not what WWE wants. I, you know, and I, I did everything I could. I got breast implants. I, to change my body try to change my look all of these things all, you know I, I everything that i thought that um they wanted i i did and then you know i did ultimately get signed um and that was you know an interesting chapter and i learned a lot and i i, I had to grow up a lot from that chapter i was really young uh when i got signed i was 22. um a lot of hardships and you know, just growth, especially following like my release and everything. And then, you know, when I stepped away from wrestling for a couple of years and I was doing a lot of yoga, I was living in LA and I thought, um, and this kind of goes back to your first question. There was, a, there was a large piece of me that thought I might be done. I, you know, this might be over for me. I'm, you know, I, I'm just not sure. And then, you know, WWE reached out about about the Mae Young Classic and about coaching and everything. And it was really out of the blue. And um, so I took that opportunity. And and then I remember when I got my release at the pandemic, I was, uh, oof, that was, a you know, I mean, tough time for all of us. A lot of people lost their jobs and were confused and, you know, mental health problems for everybody and all, all of that, you know. So it wasn't just me, you know, it was the whole world was reeling and, and like navigating this unprecedented circumstance that no one saw coming and it just came. And all of a sudden, you know, I had no job and I didn't, I honestly didn't know what was next. And, um, but AEW has been, in my opinion, like the biggest blessing to the wrestling world. I mean, it's indescribable, you know, and Tony Khan is like, the nicest boss I've ever had, <laughs> like of all the jobs I've ever had in my life, he is the nicest boss and he just keeps going and he just, he keeps wanting to do more and 
open up more doors and and I just respect and admire that and um you know if it weren't for AEW I'm not I really don't know where I would be and I I'm really grateful for all my time at WWE like you know both as talent straight edge society days and then you know in the coaching position as well so it was a privilege and everything and an honor to be trusted that way but like i think i've said this before as well like aew does feel like home and i know that sounds a little cheesy and people say that and it's a little generic but it really does it really feels like home it's like where i was always meant to be and um and i followed it from the start i mean like even you know i was working at the opposition but watching the product every week and just like, wow, this is, I want to wrestle there. I want to wrestle there. And um, so in some ways, I think maybe I manifested my release. <laughs> <laughs> with, with your history of coaching people and training people and, and, and wrestling pretty much everybody in your, in your generation too, I think you're in a unique position to kind of assess where AEW's women's division stands. What, you know, what do you kind of think of the competition within it, the development of some of the young wrestlers and also where it's going? I know there's been a lot of chatter about the AEW women of late, but I feel like you're pretty much the expert at this point because you're there and you you see it. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot of chatter about it. Um, I think Tony is really, really, um, he has his hand on the pulse with everything in wrestling. And he's been doing so much more with the women. Um, I, I think we're in a really good spot right now. We've acquired, um, you know, recently Tony Storm, who's a great, really, really great wrestler. Um, and there's, there's people that have completely untapped potential that within the next coming years, I think will really surface as main contenders. Um, and there's a lot of young talent that I think are, um, like the nightmare factory and, and Dustin school and, in, uh, Texas, like they're, they're training people the right way. There's also, you know, we do ring training here in Orlando at universal where the dark tapings are held. And um, I think it's, you know, everybody wants to help each other grow. Um, in my opinion, that's like, that's what more could you ask for? That's your own, your division is only going to get better when everybody wants to help each other. Um, there's other companies and chapters of my career where, you know, it hasn't been like that. It's been, you know, it's been a little more, divided and some people are a little more selfish or whatever but i think what we have at aew is a lot more of like a sisterhood and that's that reminds me of my years at shimmer actually <laughs> like that's how shimmer felt for me was everybody okay we have this mat like we we want to make this the best and and shimmer built a reputation for being you know before the women's uh, evolution, revolution, whatever. I, I think, um, right now I'm kind of feeling those same, those same vibes at AEW where, um, everybody wants it to be the best division and there's a lot of competition, you know, there's, but it's, it's good. Competition is good, but like, you know, I, I think that as long as everybody just like, I don't know, for me, um, I try not to 
like compare us to other companies mm-hmm. and like other women's divisions. Like I think some people get stuck in that trap. For me, it's just like, okay, how can I help this division grow? And um, wrestling fans these days are so like, uh, this is this is not a knock or a bad thing, but it's like they they really it's all it's always about who's the best what's the best what's the best division and all this stuff like that's a lot of the chatter that you see on social media and whatnot and you know i I just i want everybody to enjoy all products and if they don't enjoy one product then they don't have to watch it but like we're working really hard there's a team effort we have a lot of great minds in our locker room from Arn anderson to tolly blanchard to jerry lynn to dustin to uh sanjay to pat buck i mean it's it's like i I, i'm leaving so many names off the list mark henry big show like punk um brian danielson there's so many resources there now that weren't maybe there six six months ago or a year ago dean malenko like gosh how could i leave dean off that's like my hero (laughs) (laughs) um but you know what i mean like i think we have everyone around us that wants to help and you know i think a lot of these girls are are taking are making use of that and um i i think that we have so much opportunity for growth um people also have to remember that AEW is only what about three years old right like i mean you know it's it's taken off and it's doing great and um it's a great company but it's still relatively new. And, and if you look at wrestling history, you know, wrestling promotions take several, several years to build, right? So still kind of in the building process. They're in a pretty good spot now. And I think what you mentioned too about everybody kind of being willing to help each other, because that's kind of really the unique thing about wrestling is, you know, you're trying to make yourself look good and you're trying to, you know, get yourself over for lack of a better word to an audience, but you're also trying to lift up the other person at the same time so that they also look good and they are also a good, you know, opponent for you because you're only as good as the, the person you're in there with, you know, too. So and it sounds like you guys are really accomplishing that, you know, the way you need to and building up the right people too. So it's, it's great to hear. Um, you mentioned Shimmer before and your career had so many unique chapters to it to this point. Is there any one that you point to and just kind of say, okay, this was the best Serena D right here. Was it Shimmer? I'll, I'll put till this point, of course. <laughs> I was going to say, excluding now. Um, hmm. I liked Straight Edge Society Serena D myself. Yeah, that was, it's so hard to answer that question. Um, Straight Edge Society was really cool because it was so unique. And it was yep. like, it shocked people when I got my head shaved. And, you know, just, I learned so much I learned so much, even though I wasn't wrestling uh, per se in that role, just being ringside and watching Punk wrestle Rey Mysterio, Triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels, Big Show. You can't not Undertaker. I mean, you can't not learn uh, just, just being out. I mean, that's literally the front row seat. I mean, you are out there right there on the floor and you're just watching the stories that they're telling and, and what have you. And 
It was a great learning experience. Um, I think like managerial roles can be, um, can really elevate you as a wrestler um, if, if you go from one to one, right? So great learning experience and, and great, you know, yeah, fun, fun chapter in that sense. And, and that was, what was really cool about that chapter was that, um, again, I was so young and I had just, I was such an attitude era fan that like getting to work with, um, a lot of my heroes was, was just really cool. An opportunity that not a lot of people get. Um, I remember one night I had to jump on Triple H's back um, when he when he went to give Punk the pedigree, and I was just like, "Wow, this!" Like I was such a Triple H fan as a kid. I mean, I was I was such a DX fan as a teenager, and you know, it was it was just a total like like moment for me. Like, wow, like I'm really here. I really did it. I really I really made it here. Like I. You know, it was one of those moments. But I say from a wrestling standpoint, Shimmer probably would be the answer to that question. Um, But also, like, I might put Japan in there as well because I had a lot of great trips to Japan. I went there seven times. Um, My, not my very first match, but uh, one of the first few matches in Japan, I wrestled uh, Asuka, who was Kana at the time. Right. And... You know, that was um, one of my, at that time, one of my favorite matches. Now, probably if I watched it, I would pick it apart and hate <laughs> hate watching myself. <laughs> but like, yeah, like Japan, Japan was magical because the way that wrestling is revered there is really special. And the way you're treated, especially as... Um, an American as a foreigner, like they just are like, so good to you. They take such good care of you. Um, and you know, you, you really feel, you really feel like a star in Japan. You really feel special and experiencing Japanese culture. I mean, it's my favorite country. Um, and I, I really hope I get to go back in a wrestling, um, in a wrestling position, now that I think things are starting to clear up a little bit there with, you know, the visa situation and whatnot. But so I would say wrestling wise, probably shimmer in Japan would be about, about the same. And I would say too, you mentioned the, you know, the straight edge society kind of uh, elevating you. And I, I, I think that you added a lot to that presentation as well, just to, just to note that too. <laughs> um, so you're facing Thunder Rosa at the uh, double or nothing pay-per-view. Tell me about the background history with you and Thunder Rosa, because I'm pretty sure it's very real and it goes beyond AEW as well. So what what's kind of your version of uh, events there between uh, you and Thunder Rosa? It is very real. It is very real. And um, so she, you know, the first time I, I met her, she told me that um, about seven, eight years prior, she... I was living in California and I was wrestling uh, cheerleader Melissa, one of the greats from that, from that time as well um, at an indie show just outside of LA and Thunder Rosa and her husband, uh, you know, drove down. I think it was like, 
an eight hour drive or something. Wow. They drove down specifically to watch my match. And, you know, this was before she had started training and everything. And, and she, the first time I met her, she told me about that trip and how um, watching me wrestle, she said, that's how I want to wrestle. That's, that's the kind of wrestler that I want to be. And that I really inspired her just, you know, technically and, and everything. And that was, that was a really uh, big compliment, you know, really meaningful um, to hear that from somebody that has come so far and in such a short time. I mean, she's been wrestling for seven years. I mean, it's, Sounds like a lot, but really in, re in the wrestling world, it's not that much because wrestling takes a long time to figure out. Um, so that was, you know, from the start, I think we had this, this respect, you know, this, this love and respect that was like, that was very real. Um, and then, like I said, my very first match for AEW was against Thunder Rosa. Um, she was, it was the dynamite right before she wrestled, uh, Sheeta at the pay-per-view and she was NWA women's world champion and Sheeta was AW women's world champion. And, um, they just brought me in, you know, just to wrestle her. I, I didn't think anything necessarily was going to come of it. I just went in there and, you know, we had this chemistry and, and the match went great. And, and, um, the fans reacted really, really positively to it. And, um, that was the match that ended up getting me signed with AEW. Um, and then following that match, they, we wrestled uh primetime live, which was, uh, because NWA was not able to run, um, during the pandemic, so they were kind of, you know, putting their title matches on, in other promotions and whatnot. So we wrestled primetime live in a studio with no fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting experience doing that. I will say that wrestling in front of no fans uh, is very strange. But, you know, and that was the match where I beat her for the NWA championship. And then we had a rematch on Dynamite. And then I held on to the championship until, ooh, I guess it would have been May of last year um, when, you know, NWA started running again and when wrestled Camille, who is um, somebody who I think has like so much potential, like she mm -hmm. just, she has the look, she has the work ethic, she has everything. And then once everything comes together mentally, like physically, like she can do it once everything comes together mentally and she has the right people around her helping her and everything, um, what she does, you know, she's, she's going to do big things. She already is doing big things, but she'll do big things in this industry. But so, um, yeah, we, we had a, a, a trilogy of matches that um, I think I was really proud of all three of them. And um, so now, you know, going into double or nothing you know we have this this background where we've wrestled three matches she beat me once i beat her twice um i carried on the nwa championship after that and um and so it's i think you know it's it's really cool that things have come full circle and now at one of our biggest pay-per-views of the year in las vegas 
we get to run it back. And um, I think we've both been eager to wrestle each other again. We were separated for a long time in, in, very, in other feuds and whatnot. But now here we go again, right back around. It's it's so fun and so cool to hear all that uh, all that background of the way things kind of came together and how they how circumstances ended up. So we're going to move on to something now. We've been calling the three count. It's three kind of off topic questions and your answers to them. So we'll see how this goes. I'm, I always get a little nervous when I do this with people. So I'm always like, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. any good, but usually usually they end up okay. So our first question: uh, What would be the first three things on the syllabus for the professor of professional wrestling? For someone else, for, on your syllabus for your class, if you're the professor of professional wrestling, what would be the first three things on that syllabus? Mm, that's a great question. Um, first and foremost, when you're getting in my ring, wipe your feet. <laughs> wipe your feet. It's a uh, it's a respect thing, you know. The like, um, it's. The ring crew does a lot to take care of the ring. And, uh, you know, those canvases get ruined really quickly. And it's such a pet peeve of mine when I see people just getting in the ring with dirty shoes and just, you know, all of that. Um, so every time I, every time I have an entrance and I get in the ring, I always wipe my feet because it's a respect to the ring. It's a respect to the people that put in a lot of work to care for those very expensive rings. Um, that's number one. Get when you're getting in my ring or the ring, wipe your feet. Second thing on the syllabus, gotta have a great lockup. Lockup is so important. That was embedded in me in OBW. I remember the Dudley boys coming for about a week to do, you know, some extra training. Um, and they literally did a whole entire like three hour class of only lockups. Wow. And yeah. And they were, um, they were not pulling punches. I mean, if you did a bad one, that was, shit. you know, do it again. Pardon the French, um, you know, and just just three hours of just lock up, boom, lock up, boom, lock up, boom, until, you know, you got it. And um, it's so important, and I think it sets the tone for the match. And if it's if it's lazy or if it's if you're not present in that moment. It's just, you got to capture people right from the start. And that's the very first thing they see. So you have to have, have to have a great lockup. Like one of the best lockups in the business is Dax Harwood, you know, Mm. like without a doubt. I mean, FDR, like they're just, yeah, they're, they're really strong there. Um, Third thing, uh, study, study, watch wrestling. If you're an aspiring young wrestler, even if you're not an aspiring young wrestler, even if you're like I told you today on the plane, I was watching Arn and Brad Armstrong matches and and um, Rick Martel and you know I I uh, I watch a lot of Brad and I'm 17 years in and I, I I'm still just like people ask me, do you watch any TV? Are you into any shows? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't watch any TV, like. Literally, I literally am not exaggerating. I don't watch TV. If I have the time uh, in my schedule to watch something, I'm going to watch wrestling and try to pick out one thing I can learn, even if it's just like a mannerism 
or a, um, I don't know, just like a, a pacing thing or a ring positioning thing or, or what, what have you just, um, I just, I love to watch wrestling and, and, and learn. And, um, you know, I had, uh, like a young girl that I was kind of helping out somewhat recently. And I said, how much wrestling are you watching? And she said, oh, I watch it here and there. And I'm like, no, it's not accepted. That's not an acceptable answer. Like, like I understand we're all busy and, you know, people have jobs and all this stuff. But if you really want to like exceed, excel in this, in this business, you have to watch it. And you cannot just be watching WWE and AEW and Impact. You have to watch, you know, uh, All Japan from the 90s. You have to watch New Japan. You have to watch um, even Lucha if, if, you know, like you can get something from everything, but like especially like the 80s and 90s and um, the old school, old school wrestling, like you have to. So definitely, I mean, I wouldn't even rank those in order of, you know, importance. They're yeah. all equally important. But if you're not watching wrestling and studying, it's you're doing yourself a disservice completely. I will say that your schedule of watching wrestling outside of my normal job sounds like a little bit like my schedule of watching wrestling. And I'm not <laughs> even a wrestler, so that's good. Um, <laughs> second question. So uh, wrestling is full of uh, interesting people, and you've been basically everywhere. Who has the most unique personality that you've found in wrestling and why? <laughs> unique. Hmm. Probably Rip Rogers. Ooh, that's a good one. So, so then you got to say why. So you might have to explain Rip Rogers to people who might not know who Rip Rogers is. Yeah, well, everyone should know who Rip Rogers is. Um, honestly, like, he's such a mentor in my life. Um, but he is just brutally honest. And he is inappropriate. And he doesn't sugarcoat. Um, but he has, he, he has trained all of the best randy orton john cena batista they all came from rip rogers um you know M mickey james like there's the list i mean the list is is too big to, to even to even count and then you, know? you look at the modern uh wwe and pat mcafee is rip rogers <laughs> exactly exactly and look i mean how long has he really been doing it but I thought he was, you know, at Mania, like he, he was one of the few that stole the show. And that was his second pro match, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And his match with Cole was great. Um, yeah, exactly. Rip can, you know, uh, and he's helped Jade Cargill out a lot oh, wow. as well. Yeah. She went down there for a bit. Um, he can, you know, if you had like one-on-one -on -one with Rip Rogers, like he could, he could make you TV ready within six months. I mean, you know, Santino is a great example, great friend of mine, like someone that um, just was one of the most entertaining acts in the history of WWE. And he came to Rip and he, I think he made his debut six months to a year at the most later wow. and um yeah with like 
very little wrestling experience, a little bit in Japan, but like, but pretty, pretty new. And Rip, he, he went, he can accelerate the path of people. But, um, but, oh yeah, his personality, you know, I mean, when you talk to him, you are laughing the whole time because the things that come out of his mouth are just like, I mean, he, I think he's toned it down a little bit now, but oof, if you had Rip in the, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, <laughs> it was, uh, it, I mean, just one of the one of the funniest people i've ever met so a rip rogers episode of under the ring might be uh worthwhile but i might want to get the the sensor button ready and i might want to get the uh might want to be ready for it myself um so last question so say we could just have <laughs> any old song uh that's on the radio uh coming out to your entrance what song would you pick to define your career or your life that you'd walk out to well my favorite gosh i'm a 90s hip-hop girl hmm and it's really hard to pick a favorite, but um, Warren G. Regulate is like, that's like my karaoke song. And like, mm. I, I love that song so much. Um, and I, I tried actually that my current ring music, I, I tried to um, have the people that put it together go a little off of like the inspiration of, of the beat of it and everything like that. Um, so I would say Regulate regulators very good very good well uh serena <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today on uh under the ring i really really enjoyed this conversation it's one of my favorite ones we've uh, we've done so far so thank you so much for your time today and good luck at double thank or nothing so thank you so much phil i really appreciate your time Thanks, everyone, for joining us today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I want to thank Serena Deeb for joining us today. I also want to give Vic Delicious a shout out for the one question I asked during the interview. also need to thank John Schneider from All Elite Wrestling for setting this up. AEW Double or Nothing is Sunday, May 29th on Pay-Per-View, Bleacher Report, and Fight. Join us next week on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations, where we will be joined by Sonya Deville from WWE. Have a great week, everyone.